time-hopping journey through queer cinema going decade by decade to discover how it has evolved over the years. So we are continuing our trip through the 2010s. With 2012, we will be talking about Paranorman. I am your host, Dave, and I'm joined as always by Manish. Manish, are you ready to talk about one of your favorite, favorite movies? Yes, I am. (laughs) Very excited. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, sometimes we talk about a little bit about the historical context, and I think we've talked enough about like kind of what the 2010s were like, but this is a little different, right? To have a queer character in a mainstream, not only movie for kids, but an animated film. And that's not something we see very often. Can you think of like other examples of that happening? I mean, like does like Frozen count? Like, I mean, kind of uh, like that's Elsa like that's like heavily, heavily coded, but right? But that's coded this outright. time. I mean, like spoilers, yeah. but we have a character who is not just coded as gay, but a guy who has a boyfriend. So like act, actually yeah. gay. So this feels like I remember watching this, and we'll get into this later, of course. But that felt strong. That felt like shocking. Yeah, when that was actually said out loud, like I was like, oh my god. We have a gay character in this and a gay character who is in some ways like physically an ideal, like the the girl loves him for his body and she's like all over yeah. him and, and he's very masculine, you know? So that was like a very, very different thing to see. Yeah. Well, was this spoiled for you when uh, when you saw it? Or did no, you... no, I actually saw this in the theaters, believe it or not. Um, okay. So it was not spoiled for me. So it was like genuinely very surprising. But I guess something we also should talk about is there are a fair amount of gay movies that came out in 2013. Uh, some of them pretty well known, especially in quote unquote cinephile uh, circles. So you mean 2012, right? Uh, so we're. You're right. In 2012. <laughs> so maybe I should look at the right list, Dave. Get it together. Um, so maybe not. Oh, Cloud Atlas, I guess, is like listed as a gay film. Yeah, that's definitely. I, I mean, that's definitely a queer film. I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then there's a movie called Gaby that came out, and a movie called Jack and Diane with Juno Temple. Um, so there's a little, there's some, some big stuff that was, that was coming out, but all of this still feels under the radar, right? Like there's not, there's not a lot of like mainstream stuff. And there's even stuff like if you look at these lists of quote unquote LGBTQ films, there's stuff where you're like, okay, Wikipedia, you are stretching a little bit. Like we talked about this and we're planning this, but like the master uh, is put in there as a yeah, gay and like that that's like okay kind of like but I think that type of stuff is more indicative of the idea that we especially in the United States just can't stand to see two men in an intimate relationship um, 
So I think we just like, oh, well, they're intimate and it's really deep. So uh, they must be gay. That's obviously what's going on here. And like, sure, there's probably a little bit of queer subtext. I don't want to take that away from people. If the master is their favorite gay film of all time or whatever, but I would say branch out a little bit, maybe. Um, but, but the stuff, the stuff does still feel a little bit like, oh, we're not really talking about, it, which is weird because this is only seven, seven, eight years ago. Right. It does yeah. feel like there should be more. So I think to me, it hammers on the importance of doing this show. Right. Is to talk about queer cinema because it's not, you know, we've talked a lot privately about like female directors and it's kind of the same thing here is that you do actually have to actively seek this out. Like there's not going to be a lot of these movies where you're like, oh, well, that's the big release this week is the is the the queer film of 2019. Like you just unfortunately, that's not where we're at quite yet. I think it's interesting. In 2012 being the sort of like kind of empty year with like major queer movies is interesting. Um, and I think that we have to come to movie like Paranorman for a queer film is I guess a sort of indictment on that year in terms of <laughs> not bit. having many major <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know I mean I think in, in terms of like cultural impact you know i I do think paranorman uh, is uh somewhat important um in terms of it you know queerness in film because i think it touches on some queerish themes even outside of its gay character if i might stretch it a little so we can get into that um but when so you saw this in theaters um and you so, because, like, I remember, like, this being some that, like, made headlines. Yes. So, I definitely People were mad. that there was a, yeah, there was a gay character in it. Yeah. <laughs> and it does, like, it reeks of that, like, well, it's okay if you're gay, but just don't do it around my kids. Like, it's just, like, I don't want my kids yeah. to be sullied by your your gayness. I don't really like any of that. Um, so I was, the reason I saw it in the theater is because like, I was with a partner at that point and like, they just, man, they just love cartoons. That is their thing. So I saw every like a movie, oh every Disney movie, every, so as you know me, as you do, you know, this is my personal hell. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I guess we're seeing this stupid cartoon, but this is actually really good. This is actually one of my favorites. Like I think, I think, it, and watching it again for this podcast, like it actually really holds up. Better than yeah. most kids' movies because – and this, for whatever reason, gets me a lot of flack on social media, on Twitter especially, when you say things like, this movie is not made for adults. This is not – you know, this is not going to change your life. And people are like, how dare you? How dare you insult the name of animation with your with your completely correct statement that this is a kid's movie? Like, it's just like, okay. Um, but this, I think, aside from, like, the best friend character – like kind of it feels it feels adult to me like it do, it does feel like it's tackling some themes that usually don't get tackled you know i want to fight you on one thing that you're saying i think that there's a distinction between family movies and kid mo- kid movies okay so i think paranorman falls into the family category because it's a movie that can literally be enjoyed by people of all ages. And I think kids movies are ones that are more like, you know, um, like iPhone game ads or whatever. Like, sure, you know, like, sure. um, there's like funny, bright colors, Angry stupid birds, characters, whatever, like but I, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Right. 
<laughs> and I think what makes Paranorman so interesting to me in this context is that, you know, like like, like we were saying, it it definitely got a backlash for mm-hmm. its you know gay character, and it's a whole thing of, you know, that sort of like one million moms kind of pitchfork pitchfork thing where it's like, um, you know, like this movie is for kids, like, it, you know, if you show them, you know, gay characters, they'll, like, I don't know, turn gay or whatever. And even, like, this concept of, like, even seeing one character say one line about being gay is, like, as bad as having, you know, graphic content. Right. And it's the kind of, it's, it's the moment of the film, I think, is so quick that it could easily be missed by oh, some of the same kids who are, yeah. you know... <laughs> So let's you know, let's talk a about, about Paranorman like as a like to summarize it and then also kind of get into the nitty gritty of this sort of gay character in it and why it's so somewhat revolutionary. Right. Essentially, like Norman is a kid who, for whatever reason, can communicate with ghosts. It's it starts off with you know him communicating with his with his own grandmother but like you learn very quickly as he walks down the street in a just wonderful opening that he sees ghosts everywhere yeah. and he talks to all of them and i like the fact that it's not posed necessarily at least generally as this horrifying thing it's just like oh these are these people i know they just happen to be dead it's fine yeah uh but eventually he is given the task of ending this like centuries old curse on the town uh that that he lives in and then he's dealing with other stuff like the fact that he's grounded by his father and he still has to get all of this done uh so that's kind of the general the general setup one thing i also wanted to mention like i actually did some research on and this will never happen again so don't get used to this manish uh, but I did some research on like the reaction to this gay character and remember this yeah. name. There's this one uh, person from the natural review online named Nancy French, who you clearly should never read. Uh, she suggested that the film could lead parents quote to answer unwanted questions about sex and homosexuality on the way home from the movie theater. Oh, fuck you. Nancy. I mean, that's a big, I mean, <laughs> Yes, Nancy should be stripped of her technology yes. and sent to a cave. But I also think that she's not alone in that thinking, right? No, like that's always not. been the mm-hmm. that's sort of the party line for these people is that like you're gonna have to answer you know uncomfortable questions, and it's like you know what like. If it's I don't not even, even think that it's only uncomfortable because you suck and you're homophobic. Right. Like the answer to that right. question is like some boys like boys. That's his boyfriend. Anyway, moving on. Like that is. Yeah. But one thing we will say right. is, you know, it says at least, you know, from Wikipedia, it says that Mitch, that character who is gay, is the first openly gay character in a mainstream animated film. And that is huge. Wow. That is huge. Not yeah. just because like, oh, it's cool. It's in a cartoon. But like it's normalizing that. You know, it's. I would say yeah. it does the opposite of you know those unwanted questions. It becomes less questions later when they come into contact with people who are gay or see gay characters in movies or TV shows. Then they'll think back to like, oh yeah, I've seen that before. That's not a big deal. Uh, and it's yeah. crazy that it took till 2012 for that to happen. I mean, yeah, considering animation's been around since at least the. 20s or 30s right yeah exactly i mean animation as you know it now yeah yes so let's um let's kind of run down the sort of situation here right so you know norman is with this sort of like ragtag group of you know teens and tweens trying to figure out how to fight this (laughs) curse on the town 
and um, he's with his sister, his best friend, and his sister's crush, this like total jock type. Uh, Mitch, played by Casey Affleck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, your voice went and, down like, oh. <laughs> I don't even want to say his name. <laughs> well, and he's Anna a terrible Kendrick, person. We hate him. Anna Kendrick. Yeah, plays, Anna Kendrick's there. You know, she's yeah. a doll face. You know, we love her. <laughs> At the end, Mitch just kind of throws that he has a boyfriend and it's sort of quite the opposite of Alike's experience in Praia. Everyone's just kind of chill with it. and Maybe except the sister, who is like... Yeah, understandably. Heartbroken, you know. which we get. But she doesn't even... She doesn't react negatively no. to the gayness. It's more the, like, I'm unavailable part of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something so, I love about it, that everyone just... Like, that it's almost a throwaway line. It's just like, yeah, eh, yeah, I have a boyfriend. Anyway, and they don't make a big deal about it. They're just like, yeah, that's that's the situation. But I remember sitting in that theater, like it was one of those like double take moments where you like look around, like did that just did that just happen right now? Yeah, did they just say that in a in an animated film? Wow! And of course, my reaction is that's awesome. That's great. And of course, you know, I get home and start seeing reactions to it, and everyone's really really mad, and I'm like, oh. Another one I missed. Another one that's like my reaction is not the same as the general. Yeah, right. But like you know. But you know what? You say that though. But I think that you know there is. I think that's a vocal minority, right? Who's kind yes. of got mad at this? As of course, it's hard to know, like you know, what's real life and what's sort of this like bubble we all live in, yes. right? So, but to me, I was think like. I never heard anyone in real life say anything about it. Um, I've only seen, you know, tweets and articles online. And even right. even then, like, I saw a lot of, like, reactions to the reactions. You know, it's a whole thing of, like, you know, everyone's mad that so, you know, about such and such thing. But it's, like, really, like, two people talk about it. And that's – and then it gets written about. And then over and over again. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. That is always something we should always take into account that people who love something and people who hate something are always the loudest. And 99% of people are somewhere in between and real quiet about it. Like, it's just like, it's it's fine. I wouldn't be surprised if majority of audiences didn't even catch it. You know, they weren't looking because it is very throwaway and it's Uh very fast. And in some ways, that's to its credit. And in some ways, it's kind of to its judgment because... Mm. You know the like uh, the the kind of issue that I have with this, which is like kind of a it's a dumb nitpick that I kind of don't even like to articulate because like a I love this movie and b like it's really unfair. But you know, for all this um, you know celebration of like the first queer character in an animated film, it's kind of like we don't really know him as a gay character right throughout the film, and we don't really see it. Except for at the end when it's almost a punchline and almost a joke that's being played on this like girl. And sure. You know, Anna Kendrick's character is sort of written as like kind of shallow and vapid. Kind of. I think until the moment where she actually stands up for her brother late in the film, she's completely yeah. vapid and completely a nonsense right. character. And again, like, you know, 
you don't want to get too in the weeds of like, well, let's really pick apart this, you know, this cartoon about like how how the script looks and like, well, these character driven, like she is meant to be a characterization. Um, so yes, that yes. moment where she comes through yeah, her brother's aid comes out of nowhere, that. just like the queerness comes out of nowhere, but it's kind of okay. Cause these, all these characters have been through a lot together. <laughs> like at the start, you understand why everyone is not exactly the best of friends and they're all kind of thrown together. But I think the movie does a really good job at building those relationships with one another. So you can at least make that leap with the movie that like, oh, we're all in this together now. Like, uh, Norman is no longer alone like he is no longer as yeah. you, as you horribly referenced at the end of our last episode he's no longer a pariah in this town but like um you said that was nice so <laughs> you know i think that was a very clever way to connect these two films that are very disparate yeah. um but you know that's not really my issue with it my issue is more that like because she's this very like shallow, vapid, kind of self-obsessed character, it's almost like him being unavailable to her is like a way for her not to get the reward that she wanted throughout the whole movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to use the word punishment because yeah, I mean it's a very severe word for what this is, but sure. in some ways it it kind of applies because it's like she like. I don't know. I just like it to me. It's like the whole thing of, you know, like someone being revealed to be gay as the last minute. It's kind of this like kind of hacky sitcom thing. Mm -hmm. And like, even if a movie that's very warm hearted and empathetic, like paranorman does it and it works well, it still kind of rubs me that wrong way because it's Mm -hmm. still like, well, yeah, it's like the whole like Dumbledore thing where it's like, yeah, great, someone is gay, we find out the end of their story, <laughs> but then we're not really engaging with the, we're not engaging with it except as a costume. Yeah, I think that's a valid criticism of the movie as a whole, but I think one thing that we don't want to leave behind is the fact that like this has never been done before. Right. Yeah, in this sure. type and of the, movie. So this is yeah, a great like, I don't, this is a great starting point. This won't be enough yeah. moving forward. But like right. for this time and for this style of movie, like that is massive. Like that just doesn't happen. And this movie sure, yeah. this movie, I, I, I just, I just I, looked it up. You know this movie made a hundred million dollars? Like this made a lot I mean, of money. Yeah. A lot of people saw this. So that's cool that a lot of people saw this and they actually saw a gay character, even if it is truly the most surface level you can get. It's still like it's better than it just being coded, even if it was coded, obviously. I'm glad they said yeah. it. It's so empowering to have it said out loud, you know, to have a male yeah. character. Well, saying, I would say this is even like boyfriend. the opposite of coded, though. Right. Yeah. He's like yeah. he's coded as very straight, kind of maybe kind of yeah. kind of a dick, uh, you know, kind of aloof. Uh, to this to this woman, uh, to this girl. But then at the end, you know, maybe we're finding out a little bit why he's not interested in the cheerleader. Okay, we kind of get it. So it's just nice to have that stuff actually said yeah. out loud instead of hidden beneath, like, symbolism and layers. It's like, no, no, he's gay. Okay, let's move on. So that's nice to uh, see. Yeah, sure, of course. Like, I never want to be the person who's, like, critic- like you know, Hating the good, you know, because it's not perfect, you know. Of yes. course, I, Nietzsche is like not know, gay enough. Don't. How dare you? I mean, <laughs> do better. 
<laughs> just to wrap up this thing is like my frustration is more that like this didn't lead to like another like like a Disney DreamWorks movie where there's like more queerness in the character. Yes. So it's kind of like it's hard for me to fully, fully, hundred percent accept the argument of like this is the first, so we should you know this broke the ground. Um, like I accept it 99.99%, but there's just a little part of me that's like, but it didn't actually lead to any kind of change. So right, we didn't we didn't continue like, breaking ground after this. The problem right. is like, yeah. yeah, great start, but like, where's the next movie? Like, you know, then you move yeah. on to making stuff like box trolls. Like, come on, we can you know we can actually have queer characters. There's there's stuff. Yeah, to be done. I mean, box trolls are the best. <laughs> That you? Hey, Mitch. Look, we're gonna go play with the dead dog in the garden, and we're not even gonna have to dig him up first. You digging what? What? What'd you say? Neil, isn't he that weird kid? You know, look at me. I'm talking to ghosts so people will pay attention to me. Can you stop doing that? It's kind of stupid. Now listen to me. You don't need to be hanging out with weird people, okay? That's a tip. Don't blow this for me, Mitch. This one's not weird. He talks to dead people. He's around here somewhere. So does everyone come back as a ghost? No. My grandma told me it's usually people who still have stuff to figure out, or sometimes it's the ones who died suddenly or in a bad way. (laughs) Bub? Is he there? (laughs) How's he look? Uh, good. He's happy to see you. Who's a good boy, huh? Good boy. Can he feel if I pet him? Yeah, I guess. Mmm, bubby wubby boo. Uh, that's not his chin. Go get it! He can't fetch it, you know. Yeah, well, it's still fun. Good boy! Bring it back! Go get it, bub! Good boy! Why don't you try? I didn't really. I don't know. You can go. No, no, it's fun. Try it. No, I don't want to. You throw it. No, it's really? okay. You no, can throw it. On. I don't it's, really, it's really fun. Here, you go first. No, you try. I already went like 50 times. Okay, what do I do? You, you, you throw. You get the stick, you pull back, and you throw it. <laughs> Neil? Sorry? So one thing I wanted to mention, one thing that really surprised me when I watched this both in the theater and on rewatch is like after that beginning, once like John Goodman uh, is introduced, like this movie is genuinely kind of scary. Like putting yourself in the position of this kid, like not only that scene, but the scene where he's essentially attacked uh, by Prendergast's spirit, who is like, you know, put this curse on the land because she was accused of being a witch. Like, it is violent. You know, there's like even yeah. a little bit of like blood going on. It is, and you're you're put in this position because you're following this child, this like ten or eleven year old kid around, and you realize, and this is something you don't get in a lot of family films, where like a child is legitimately in danger here and way out of his depth. 
Um, so I was like really impressed with that, that in a movie like this, that is a family movie that everyone's going to take, you know, their kids to that, like they did not right. shy away from the danger aspect. A lot of, a lot of anime films, there's like danger, but it's like tongue in cheek or like good natured. It's like, it's like being on a roller coaster right? and you're like, everyone's going to be okay. It's fine. But there are moments yeah. in this where I was like, are they going to, are they going to kill this kid? Like, what is going on in this movie? So I like the fact that they really kind of dove in. And it's like, no, no, this is, you know, there's a reason that the movie is couched with him, like, loving horror movies and loving things that, like, maybe are a little bit beyond his years. And that, like, I think that sets the whole movie in motion. The fact that he, like, loves zombies and, you know, late night horror movies. And, like, now you're in a real horror movie. Good luck, kid. And they just let you go with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this movie has a very, like, loving and affectionate take on sort of horror kind of fandom and how, you know, once you find yourself in a horror movie, then, you know, it's very, it can be very intense. And I appreciate that this movie didn't really hold back on that um, as well. So I wanted to ask you, like, um, Am I totally reading too much into it, but I kind of felt feel like there might be a queer reading of the movie through Norman's character. Not saying that he's, like, secretly gay or whatever, but just, like, him being an outsider and sort of being um, uh, kind of yelled at, lectured for not being normal and kind of being into things that, you know, other people aren't into. And even just having a close relationship with, like, an elderly female mm. relative. No, I think that's a really... You know, with that's, his friends with his grandmother. Yeah, that's a piece but, of it uh, that I didn't really latch onto, but that's just a tremendous point. Because I think there's, especially in a style of movie that, you know, we haven't broken that ground on, right? There's still room for queering cinema without it being actually quote-unquote gay right without it being about i mean he's 11 right he's probably not even started going through puberty yet so we can't go that route because that is wrong and gross so (laughs) so to kind of turn things on its head right you, you do have that relationship with an older older relative especially female and you do have the fact that like Everything he does, everything that feels right to Norman feels wrong to everyone else. And he's judged for it. Yeah. Even his mother, who is like accepting of him, is still kind of like, yeah, he's a weird kid. Yeah, Yeah. that's a perfect word for it. And of course, the stereotypical like father of a gay kid who's just like, I just don't understand why you like this stuff. Why you do this stuff? Why can't you just be normal? You know, and then going to school and not fitting in and having that one really close friend who's like the only one who understands you, like all this stuff. It is a stretch, of course, but I do think that you could make the argument that this entire movie is coded gay, not just one throwaway line, not just one character. And the journey of all these characters eventually coming to defend this weird, weird little kid is them becoming accepting of his queerness. Whether you're talking about queerness as a sexuality or queerness as an attitude, I think it's all there. Of course, it's sort of a very, you know, uh, tried and true you know, like formula for, you know, an animated, you know, family movie about, you know, learning to accept others and, you know, being true to yourself. Like that's not a kind of groundbreaking Mm -hmm. uh, theme for a movie like this, but I was just, to me, like Paranorman just has a very like, 
queer look to it. I mm-hmm. I think because it has a very like it's not colorful, but it's like vibrant. But it's a little like uh, I don't want to say campy because I don't think it's quite campy, but it definitely has like a sort of like camp aesthetic in how the um, you know the character design, the sort of designing of the sets and stuff. So I, I, I feel this movie like has more of a connection to a gay audience. Mm-hmm. And like, I've noticed, you know, my, like I've noticed that like when it's Halloween time, like gay horror Twitter is, you know, <laughs> does talk about her Norman here and there. Mm-hmm. So I've, you know, I do think that like, sure. Like the explicit sort of gayness comes from, you know, Mitch, but I think, yeah, like you are right that this movie does have sort of this like queering element to it, and I I think that should be something that's talked about because that's one of the more like heart more like heartfelt parts of the film, the sort of the sort of empathy and acceptance mm-hmm. theme. Yeah, and I think you know just to add on to the queerness of the movie a little bit, I think it's interesting that like there. are I would say you can only argue that there's two character, two female characters that Norman has a deep connection to. And I don't include his sister in this. I don't think they have a deep, like they have a sibling, like surface relationship. Like I deal with you because we live in the same house. You have the grandmother yeah. that you talked about. Um, and then we have Aggie who has put the curse on the town. And there's a wonderful scene, like basically all the way at the end of the movie, that she keeps pushing Norman away over and over again. And and he sticks with her and says, like, basically, I know how you feel. Essentially, nobody likes me either. Like, I don't have people either. And that's like – and it's turned – it's kind of turned her sour, right? She's turned all of that energy into vengeance, whereas Norman has turned it all into empathy, which is really interesting. Yeah, that he's taken the completely different, uh, the completely different option. Is that like throughout the whole movie and probably for years before, he's looked down upon by everyone in the town, by everyone at school, by everyone in his own home, and yet because he has the company of these ghosts, he's able to turn this around into like still weirdly being a happy-go-lucky kid, even though he's like constantly abused like verbally by everyone in this town so it's interesting that the two main characters that he connects with are a relative of his his grandmother and this girl who has gone through of course worse things (laughs) than norman but things of the same vein and he realizes how important it is to just have someone next to them to have someone to talk to because if norman was treated like this and didn't have the ghosts around Maybe he would be mean. Maybe he would want to enact vengeance and throw tantrums. But he knows the importance of connection. And he kind of teaches Aggie that lesson. And I think that's really interesting that those are the two people he has the deepest connection with. I mean, obviously, as his best friend. And that's that, like, I love that relationship because it's like that kid best friend where you just, like, meet someone. And you're like, we're best friends now. That's it. And it's just, right. like, and it's yeah, so much yeah. harder later in life. But it's as a 10 year old, you're just like, we like one of the same thing. We are best friends forever. <laughs> so, you know, so he, yeah. Norman, despite being abused, is able to form these really deep emotional connections with people, even people he doesn't know very well. And I think it's a nice lesson for us all to take in to kind of look on the positive side of things. Like we could be in a really bad situation, but if we kind of hold on to this good part, then things eventually will be okay. It's not going to be perfect. It's not like, I don't think the end of this movie, like the dad is like the perfect dad or anything, but now he's trying. 
And sometimes that's good enough. Yeah, and I think, yeah, exactly. I mean, going back to um, Alike from you know our last episode, like, her parents, like, they, they didn't try, right. right? Like, they hardly even noticed what was going on. And I think paranormal, like, not I think Norman's parents uh, are just as oblivious, but they're working on not being so oblivious, and they actually have, you know, some some capability to like kind of see you know what's happening. So I yeah I mean I think that you know this movie has a lot of I mean I guess we're kind of segueing into sort of what we learn from this movie, but to me it's this sort of element of you know just like you were saying, just being next to someone, just having someone there with you going through this, you know, difficult thing. And I think that's a really, it's a really important, you know, lesson and idea about from this film, because like, you know, a lot of kids movies are about, you know, acceptance and tolerance. But I think what separates Paranorman from the others is, how um i think because it really gets into like real horror that like the sort of theme of him reaching out to this sort of iconic which you know child is um it, it reads a little bit more um it's 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 a little bit more touching for me because it, it kind of comes from this place of like bringing someone back from their worst self. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be a very powerful theme in the film. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very well put. I think the only thing I would add that I learned from this is that um that you can't just judge people, you know, it's the whole like you can't judge a book by its cover, right? You, right. you look at Norman from the outside and he looks like a total loner and like only interested in his like horror movies, but you realize, like as you see things from his perspective, he has a lot of people in his life. They just all happen to be dead, but he has a lot of people in his life and he has a lot of connections. And you have the like the bully character who we didn't uh talk about, Alvin, uh played by Christopher Mintz Plass, um, who comes across in the very beginning as kind of unfeeling and really tough and not scared of anything, and you find the opposite is true as you kind of move through the movie and obviously you have the character of mitch who is clearly not what he seems um but that is a much more surface level of things um and i also like that you get to see relationships between siblings that feel real both of these older siblings care about their younger siblings but they're not like oh my god you're the best my baby brother my, you know like it's just like it's very real right. like they're annoyed by their younger siblings but they're also very protective of them so it's nice yeah you know there's a lot about this way it's like this is really nice but it's also intercut with some genuinely kind of scary uh plot mechanics and some scary animation so i think it it handles that stuff really well um, I think what maybe it doesn't handle well is the Russo test. Uh, so yeah. first, it has to contain a character that is identifiably LGBTQ. Yes, I, they identify him very clearly at the end of this movie. Two, the character must not be solely or predominantly defined by their orientation or gender identity. So I think, do you think it, I think it reaches that, right? I don't think Mitch is defined by... Yeah, because he's... Yeah, he's definitely an aloof, you know, kind of vain, self-absorbed jock. Right. So, 
I think that's more his defining characteristic than his. I mean, how could his gayness be his defining character? You don't nobody really knows. find out until last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, last couple scenes of the movie. Yeah, exactly. You don't even meet the boyfriend either. Nope. So that would have been nice, but no. Uh, but the third point, so it says the LGBT character must be tied into the plot in such a way that their removal would have a significant effect, meaning that uh, they're not there simply to provide color commentary, uh, point out urban authenticity, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm struggling with this because I think I think he is tied into the plot. Um, yeah. And I don't know, though, that it would have a significant effect if he was removed. And I guess what I mean by that is I feel like you could replace him with a straight character and nothing changes for the plot. Yeah. I, I mean, I would hate to say anything negative about paranormal. even though I just kind of criticized it. <laughs> um, but I think that, I think that I would not let it pass this last part because right. I think you could take out Mitch as he's written and put in, a straight kind of aloof jock character who gets the girl at the end yep. and nothing would really change about this or even movie. who has that, another girlfriend that one punchline would like, be there it's just it would yeah make, exactly it would make no difference yeah absolutely but all that being said um i think this is a really good movie um i think it's really good for a cartoon <laughs> hey no it's no it's really good it's really good i'm just kidding it's a good movie i own it i like it very much what about you Anish? um no i love this movie I mean, yeah i own it as well i watch it pretty much every um halloween season and uh, yeah it's just it's a perfect movie that has taught me a lot about it's life it's a perfect movie shut up all right so manish <laughs> before we go why don't you tell people what's coming up uh next uh in the next episode in two weeks a very let's not let's not play around this is a very different movie than paranorman so what's coming up for 2013 um for 2013 we have the french film stranger blake which is the opposite of a kid's movie (laughs) (laughs) yes i would agree with that yes no children i might even be too young to have seen it i think we Um, all are (laughs) it's a lot but it's a very, very interesting French kind of thriller, kind of a first international uh, film on the podcast. Yeah, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about that's it. Very true. Uh, so yeah, this is a movie that I had not seen before we started this podcast. So that is exciting. I'm finally introduced to a new queer movie. So you will hear that in two weeks. Um, until then, Manish, why don't you tell people how they can find you online? You can find me on Twitter at the Manish89. That's T H E M A N I S H A nine. Also at talkfilmsociety.com yes you can find my writing there yes of course this is a talk film society podcast so hopefully you're already following them but if you're not it's talk film soc um on twitter you can follow me at dave a giannini or um you can check out our podcast on twitter at queer and now pod but hopefully you're doing that already so we will see you in two weeks to talk about stranger by the way